0: Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland-Steed.
1: Welcome back to the At Work in America show. We have a great show today, Trish. We are talking about a subject near and dear to your heart as an HR performer, recovering HR leader yourself, Trish. That's right. One we haven't hit on in a while, employee relations. That's hardcore HR too. And that's what we're talking about tonight
2: yeah can i tell you i was thinking about this before we started recording and i think the last time that i remember us doing a show even remotely related to this it was years ago and we did hr horror stories like over halloween do you remember that i was still working in hr that's how long Mm -hmm. it's been since we've actually talked about employer relations which is one of the biggest parts of every HR professional's job, like that is core yeah. to the profession. So, and I and I want to know too
1: because I remember the horror story shows, and I remember a couple of my own personal horror stories, perhaps <laughs> I told back then or could retell. But maybe we can learn about spinning this a little more positively too today. Like it, like hopefully there's some elements of employee relations that we're going to talk about that aren't all negative or punitive, and or you know. Let's make sure we don't get sued kind of territory. But uh, we'll get into that. Our guest is waiting in the wings. We'll welcome her in a second. Trish, I want to thank our sponsors, of course, our friends at Paychex. This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. As the workplace continues to evolve, businesses are being forced to adapt and innovate to meet these challenges. Paychex's fifth annual workforce trend study will help you understand this year's top business challenges and help set your strategic priorities. You can get the report, the 2023 priorities for business leaders, trends, insights, and ideas for an evolving workplace to learn about the challenges facing businesses like yours and how you don't have to go it alone. You can visit paychecks.com slash AWIA and check that out today. That's an awesome report, Trish, and I hope folks do check it out.
2: I love that report. I look forward to it every year. And there's so much usable data, whether you're a, you know, a consultant or whether you're in an HR team or even maybe if you're just a business professional listening. So check that out. Lots of good data. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, speaking of usable
1: data and usable information, we're going to get to today's subject matter now and welcome our guest. Our guest is Deb Muller. She's the CEO and founder of HR Acuity, which who we're going to learn about here in a second. Deb, how are you today?
0: I'm great, Trish. Steve, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I love this topic and I'm glad you're bringing it back up.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. It's a great topic. Deb, for the uh, benefit of our listeners, maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll we'll fold right into, let's learn about uh, a little bit about HR acuity and employee relations.
0: Yeah, so like Trish, I'm a recovering sort of HR professional. I did it for, I'll say, two decades and decided to go out on my own, start HR acuity I realized there was this gap when it came to employer relations. People weren't talking about it. It was sort of the back office kind of thing that you did in the shadows when your employees did something wrong. Um, and I felt there was a way to make it more strategic, make more data oriented uh, and drive some consistency of the process. So I decided, you know, having no technology background, that it was a good idea for me to create this product and bring it out to um, the tech world. And that was in, gosh, 2009, very different world than we're in today. Uh, and HR has been going strong ever since. And employee relations has really changed in that time quite a lot. And we can obviously get into that a little bit more. But HR um, hrq is the only technology platform that is specifically built for employee relations. And we like to think of it from allegation through aftercare. So, how people report issues, how managers deal with them really before they get to HR or don't deal with them. That's- a big problem, um, you know how you document things properly. Uh, if you have to conduct an investigation, really helping you on that journey to drive consistency of process, transparency of process for your employees, and then of course using all that data to power your workforce to understand what's going in your workforce far beyond kind of employee relations, being being more proactive. So we're um, used by enterprise organizations around the country, around the world, and just happy to talk about this this uh, topic.
2: Yeah, thank you for, for coming on and talking about this, Deb, because I think you've mentioned a couple of things that I think are key. So e- even if you're a, a listener who's maybe not been in HR for very long, right, this is something that we all have to kind of get thrown in to do and handle. Um, you mentioned consistency, and I know as someone who also spent about 20 years in human resources handling all sorts of different employee relations issues, that's one of the biggest struggles, I think, without technology. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that really is handled with HR acuity. Because I think that it's almost like if you can get the consistency down of how you handle issues, it almost helps eliminate issues in the future. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not easy. I mean, when we think of our human resources versus our other resources and businesses, it's not that hard to get consistency in your raw materials, right? Um, Or in sort of what your machinery does and how you tweak it. You know, employees are a little more difficult, they're diverse. They bring a lot of different things to the workplace. So if you have four people doing the same job, you're not, you know, the consistency is more difficult. So how do we get that? We have to have processes. We have to be thinking through how things go. We have to be looking at data to make sure we're being consistent that we might not otherwise. So, so the first thing we need is process, process and how these things are done. When I was in HR and I was doing employee relations, it was really sort of this transactional Thing It was someone coming to my door and, you know, crying or an issue typically, you know, on a Friday afternoon right before my vacation, but whatever. <laughs> um, I sort of did it my way, right? No one ever asked me. My role was to sort of handle it, make it go away, make it right, you know, take whatever documentation I have, put it in my drawer. And it was never looked at sort of as the aggregate. And right now we really need to think about HR and employer relations in a much more consistent way so that we can use that data to drive our behavior. So we can use that data to be more predictive. Like in finance and marketing, we're always looking at predictive indicators of something that's wrong. We should be doing that and we can be doing that. We're seeing our clients doing that by using HR data. I mean, I'll I'll give one example um, with our manager tool, right? So we have a tool that helps managers document things. So when, when you say to your manager, oh, you know, as an HR person, oh, make sure you document that. And they look at you like, I don't know, like, what does that mean? You know, I sort of know I'm supposed to do it. I'm scared to do it. So, and they don't do it very well. But if you think about all of those interactions between the manager and their employee, and that's really who many employees think of as their employer, um, those are sort of micro interactions. Um, so if we think of something as as sort of, Ubiquitous as time in attendance, someone's you know needing a time in attendance warning or something like that. They take an action. If we start looking at that data, we can number one see if they're managing things consistently across the board. We can start looking at things like DE and I. Are we um, having more issues related to Black women in the workplace? Are they getting more time in attendance warnings that in the individual we would never see? So is there some? Are we treating them differently, or maybe there's an issue with getting to work on time, maybe it's harder for them because they need to take care of their children and we need to modify our policies. Um, are we having more attrition in a certain area because we need more training with things? Do we have a leadership issue? So there's so much information there that can really drive how we work with our employees and how we change the workforce, right? We, we do a great job of bringing people in, hiring them. Sometimes we're working, working on our diversity goals. and But what happens sort of between the the bookends of their experience, um, and that really is what employee relations is all about.
1: Deb, I I love that you brought up sort of insights, right? Because one of the things I wrote down before you, you mentioned it, uh, in when you were talking was about disparate impact. I wrote writ that wrote that down in my notes. You think like in the old days that the first uh, uh, example you gave, someone came into your office, and maybe you took some notes down in your notebook, and maybe they went in a drawer, and who knows, and like. Maybe you even handled the situation and resolved it then and there. And the the, the organization might never know about it, right? Like you wouldn't remember it, but Absolutely. there'd be no insight to be gained or any ability to unveil, uh, reveal patterns or reveal, as you said, potential for disparate impact down the line. Is using the technology to support process, consistency more you know what's what's really the value here is it the process consistency is it the reporting is
0: it is it all of it like you know all of it it's driving efficiency is it's you know it's building transparency and trust with your employees which i think right now we could probably talk a whole half hour on that and how important that is particularly in today's environment and sort of the expectations of employees we're starting to see that with you know unions and and other things like employees are really demanding that transparency there's certainly the risk part of it right so we live in a litigious world so as an organization we have to make sure that we can defend our actions i mean we are going to have to terminate people we're going to have to take uh put people on performance plans and things like that we can't not do it but can we defend can we look to make sure we're doing the right thing are we treating people the same way Um, there's so many opportunities to really look at that. Do we have leadership issues? Are there cultural issues happening? You know, when I think about um, employee relations, I always talk about this paradigm of a traffic light, right? So green light is how we want our employees to behave and what we want them to do, right? So we put together uh, policies and job description and goals and things like that. That's what we expect of someone when they come into our organization. But we know that's just, as I said before, it's not how humans behave, right? There's going to be the course of their life cycle, these yellow light events where things sort of deviate from the norm. And they're not necessarily bad things. It could be someone getting pregnant and going on maternity leave. Someone could exceed their goal. But of course, there's other things, right? They're not adhering to policy, behavioral issues, um, just sort of interpersonal things that happen. We need to deal with those yellow light issues. And if we don't deal with them or we don't look at what they might be telling us, if there's a lot of them, then we're going to run into the red light. And that's when kind of things are going that are going to need to be investigated or there's disparate impact or there's allegations. And those require a a much more um, structured approach to how we look at them, how we manage them. And so that's sort of where I see employee relations. We operate in those yellow light and those red light. And hopefully, if you're really paying attention to the yellow, you're going to have less red.
2: Yeah, I I love that example. And I think that, you know, I'm sitting here shaking my head. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm sure some of the listeners are too. Deb, one thing that Steve kind of mentioned at the top, and I'd love to hear your take on this is that, you know, sort of when you think of the word employee relations, often we think of that punitive piece of it, right? But I know a lot of what you're talking about with this consistency and process and and everything, it really sets the tone of the culture of the workplace to potentially be extremely positive, it doesn't have to be a negative experience. And I'd love to just hear if you have an example or two, maybe, um, you know, whether it's personal, or maybe a client where, where you've really seen them use that technology to take that, what I would call more of a proactive employee relations approach instead of a punitive approach. You
0: know, I think when things go wrong in the workplace, employees know things aren't going to be perfect, but it's how you manage it that makes a difference. I found in my, you know, before when I did investigations, before when I moved into this position, um, I found issues that were mismanaged blew out of control and you just sort of lost control of them. And I've seen very, pretty appalling things that have taken place in the workplace that when handled in a proper way by management, when the employee feels like there was a process, when they feel like they were listened to, they might not like the outcome, but they're much more accepting of it and they build trust. So, um, for example, one of the things we have in our in our solution now, and, and you don't need a solution to do, oh, if you're a large organization, you do, but we introduce, we call it an ENPS survey, call it what you want. But at the end of an investigation or even just a transaction, like an employee relations issue, you can send the employee a survey. And you're not saying, do I like the outcome? You're asking them to sort of rate, you know, were you treated with dignity and respect? Was your issue handled in a timely manner? And how likely are you to recommend that a peer or colleague go to HR with a similar issue? And that's that kind of that net promoter score that we do for our customers, right? How likely are you to do that? So, so in the individual issue, it's really helpful for the organization to um, identify an issue. Like if someone's not happy... You might want to get a, someone more senior, might want to get on the phone with them and understand what happened during the process before they go to an attorney. But in the aggregate, it does hold HR accountable to a quantifiable number of how are we doing it. And, and, and we all know here that HR doesn't always have the best reputation. Um, I often say that it's the most personal function that goes from job to job. No one comes to a no, new company and says, oh my God, I hate finance. They were so bad at my other job. (laughs) But they do that with HR, right? You have a bad HR experience at one company and it just shades everything, unfortunately. And the only way for us to really change that is by showing, like demonstrating that. So how powerful would it be for a colleague to say to somebody else, you know, I had an issue or I was a witness on a case. And, you know, you, they actually were pretty good. Like, they handled it. Like, it, you know, I, I did. And that's really how we're going to change things and and sort of turn it to a positive. Um, you know, HR is not always going to side with the employee. They're not always, you know, it's not whatever. But it's that transparency. It's helping people understand what the process is, what to expect. You know, making them feel comfortable coming forward if they have an issue, whether they come forward anonymously or not. That understanding how the organization is going to help them, I think, really builds that trust and makes it more positive when things are going well or when things aren't going well. The the company has your back.
1: Deb, is there an element here uh, also of helping the organization not just remain compliant or adhere to predefined processes, but also sort of get better at this, like? If I were new to HR, for example, or, or you know, just starting my career, I may not know all the right steps or the required steps or the best way to address many of these employee relations issues, because especially a smaller company, maybe, right, it's it's one of many things I'm doing, right, it's part of my role. Is there elements that, that a more structured process or software empowered, empowered process can help me just do better at it and get better at it?
0: Yeah, I'll absolutely. Particularly, I'll, I'll point to the investigation process. Our step-by-step process is, I would say, it's flexible, but it keeps the integrity of the process, right? So you can't have a, you know, investigation, do step one, step two, step three. That doesn't work because no situation is like any others. But I heard someone on my team describe it as sort of like bowling with the bumpers, right? <laughs> so you're still like going down the path, but it's sort of keeping you within the lane, um so we do things like we have a process where it really you don't have to do this for all of the um smaller investigations but it helps you really think about what am i investigating what are the unknowns what are the things that i need to get to the bottom of so it gives me the scope of my investigation which is going to drive who are the people i need to speak to what documents do i need to get so you you go broad when you need to and you keep it narrow when that's also appropriate um our interview uh, guides are built in with protocols for the company to kind of set that, make sure you remind them about the non-retaliation policy. That drives consistency. It builds trust for the person you're talking to. Um, Also the collaboration that's allowed so that if you are more junior, your leader can help you set up the interview guide, think about the documents, you can work together on it and really collaborate even with legal when you need to. Um, So that helps tremendously um, as well.
2: I, was gonna say, I love that idea of kind of a guardrail or like the, <clears throat> excuse me, the bumpers on on bowling because I think as a new HR professional, you are relying on your manager or your director or your CHRO, whatever the case might be, to be that person to kind of take you down the path and teach you how to do this. And you're right, we all handle it a little bit differently, some better than others, right? But... There are always those times, whether I've been in highly professional jobs or manufacturing jobs from doing HR or healthcare, there were always those instances when I was very junior where my boss wasn't around and something was blowing up in the moment, yes. right? How nice it would have been to have, uh, whether it's a checklist or just a process that I could even loosely follow and feel like I am staying within sort of legal best practices for my organization but also for the employee and I'd love to hear you kind of talk a little bit about kind of that maybe misconception that some employees feel like HR is always there just for the the employer right to protect the employer I think over time I learned that we're actually there to also be advocates for the employee and make sure they're legally protected can you talk a little bit about how do how do those kind of guardrails help in that aspect too for yeah. employees
0: absolutely and I'll say as an experienced investigator look I know investigators are waiting I almost I want those as well because whatever happens to that investigation is going to impact someone's life like yeah. so you you know you have to no matter where you are it's it's just good to know you have something to lean back on um I think you're right we have to change sort of how we're doing things and we have we've built this employee relations community both with clients and not with employee relations leaders And really, we talk about that a lot. How do we sort of change the the misconceptions or the whatever, the perceptions, whatever they are, of what happens and build that trust? Um, And we're seeing a couple of really innovative things that I love and we're really kind of pushing people. So we have a client that, we have a client, not a lot of people do this and we're starting to see it. Um, They publish out the data, right? So they publish out through Mm compliance, how many issues they've had that quarter, um, I think they do um, c- the corrective actions that they've taken. Um, some of our clients I've heard do, like substantiation rates, but even that can be a little bit um, mis- a bit of a misnomer because sometimes something's not substantiated, but you still do something. And that builds trust, right? Because you're immediately saying, they put it on their website, on a compliance website. You're immediately saying to your employees, we're counting. Just the fact that you're counting <laughs> says there's a process. And guess what? In all these cases, we actually are taking action. So I think that starts to sort of turn the tables. Another thing, another one of our clients does, which I, when they told me this, we were first bringing them on, and now we're actually starting to think about kind of embedding it from a technology standpoint, is around retaliation. So this is what I love. We all have, we all know about non-retaliation policies. We're not allowed to retaliate. So how do we use them? Now we say to an employee who's come. Forward to tell us about something terrible that they believe has happened to them. That's really hard. Number one, you know, that's tough. And then when we sit down with them, we say, Thank you for coming. And we have a non retaliation policy. So if you feel you've been retaliated, let us know. So you're basically saying one bad thing happened to you and it took courage for you to come forward. Now, if another bad thing happens to you, you need to come forward again. Mm -hmm. What this company is doing is when when an employee comes forward, they're tracking that, they're putting it like a retaliation flag. And behind the scenes, they're looking at compensation decisions. They're looking at performance management. And they're seeing, they see signs that that employee is being retaliated against. The employee might not even know. And then they're taking action on it. And that is innovative. That is putting your arms around your employees because you want them to be in the best position to do their best work, frankly, and to, you know, have that safe environment. So I think those are, you know, things I love. You know, one of our product um wrote what's on our product wrote about this year is really thinking about more about that aftercare right how do we and and where i started with the technology just looking at investigations and then sort of broadened out to er sort of documentation we really now look at our our platform as I, i think i said before from allegation to aftercare the investigation is just a piece of it by the time it gets to an investigation something's gone wrong your employee's been harmed whatever how do we look at it from the very beginning look at the data all the way through aftercare and sort of continue that on. So did we make things better? Did we help the employee? Are we checking in to make sure the remediation was actually worked? We can do a great investigation, but if we don't stop the behaviors, doesn't matter. Are we learning from it? Is there something as an organization where there was a weakness or an opportunity for us to get better? So that's sort of the, I mean, if you think about employee relations, that's, you know, between those bookends, right? Everything that happens during an employee's life cycle.
2: I love that because that Steve that gets back to what you were asking about. Um, you know, does it help the organization and the leaders get better? So yes, right. knowing the data right would would do that. I think
1: absolutely. Yeah, and I love this idea too, uh, Deb. You kind of alluded to uh, supply chain and process and inventory and things like that, right? Where organizations typically have a really good handle on, right? Uh, it, a lot of sophisticated technologies behind supply chain management or finance or the case may be. And I think right. about all the different systems we've seen over the years that, you know, these fancy dashboards that, that, uh, someone who's doing a process manufacturing would say, Oh, red flag warning, you know, component ABC is low. You, you've got to figure out how to get some more and, and the system being smart enough to immediately Talk to purchasing, get the purchase order queued up, just waiting for someone to hit the hit the checkbox, and then that part is replenished, right? It just happens, right? And there's lots of examples of that. But it's not really right. We don't have that in a lot of really important people-related processes, right? So for the example, it could be one one area or one region, one manager, or everybody who rolls up to a certain VP is experiencing more of these types of issues involving ABC issue and why is that happening? And surfacing that, I guess, I guess is what I'd say, Deb, the ability to surface that much before it, so anecdotally it surfaces up and all of a sudden you've got a crisis.
0: Exactly. So we have, when you're in HRQ, you can sort of see just-in-time data, you know, for the individuals that are involved, you know, what their history is, but also sort of within that location or that group or functional area, what's going on. Um, We're actually totally redoing our reporting and analytics this year, which is pretty exciting, but the whole idea is to deliver those stories so that the HR business partner or the ER partner can go to their business leaders and ask questions. You know, gee, you had this many more cases than similar people, like what's going on? Is there a leader issue? Or be flagged to say, gee, something has hit a threshold Let's go check and see what's going on there, which is really important. We're also looking at things like complexity. You know, is every case equal to every other case? They're not. So how do we start to look at, you know, where things look more complex or more risky to start to look at them ahead of time and get ahead of that? We have um we look at events. So a little bit historical, but are there events and don't do that, do they trigger certain things? So in HR, you know, you always sort of say, well, my gut's telling me that, you know, <laughs> we had more issues for the holiday party or whatever. Right? Oh, this helps you drive the data. So then you can either, let's say the holiday party is a great example. Um, so we had the holiday party Gee, we spiked up in cases. So then as an organization, you can say, well, next year we better just get more people ready to handle them or you can start looking at them and saying, dear, there are ways that we can start making our employees safe and really get ready for next year so that we can actually bring that down and and provide a better environment. Or, you know, even measuring um, training, right? We know if there's sexual harassment training, we're going to see an increase in in, um, allegations. That's actually good, right? That means people have listened. So um, different ways to really look at it and sort of correlate the the data, Um, some of which we're already doing, different alerts that come out in the system. And we're really looking at the next gen now. How do you kind of Continue to do that. How do you bring additional data from the organization into to to, to um, integrate it as well?
2: Yeah, I love that you're also taking some of those examples. How you talked about your you know current clients who might be innovating without technology, and then you're sort of putting that into the technology. Because I, I think it's like it's like people listening to this have to be shaking their heads in agreement with a lot of this information, right? Because we all struggle with the same things. People are not that unique in that job to job, it doesn't matter. I've been in, like I said, the most professional work settings and some that you would think were not. And sometimes it's one of the professional settings where things are far worse, right? There are far more issues. Um, you, you said earlier, terrible things happen. I, I do kind of like the idea of being able to let the wider population know because typically those things are kind of hush-hush and only a few people know. Now, of course, you can't share details, but I would love for my colleagues to understand, like, we do have issues here and we handle them. It is not going to be tolerated. It also kind of sends that message like, look, if you do certain things, you will not be working here. Where I think in the past, you know, uh, if you think of probably any job you've ever had, right, there's always that person that's been there 20 years, bad employee, I'm doing the air quotes, Um, No one can get rid of them. Well, it's because over time, the HR leadership changes or their manager changes, and there's nowhere that it's ever tracked that that person has had issue after issue after issue. This would like, I can literally think of at least 10, 10 people in my career where that would have corrected that problem just by having this technology in place. Because that way, if I'm the HR leader and I leave for a new job, if that hiring manager, that manager leaves for a new job... It's still there. It's still actually correct, you know, correctable. And actually you can save people. I think I wrote down earlier when you're talking corrective actions are actually meant to help the employee get better. They are not meant. We use them often to like reprimand someone right punitive again, but really a true corrective action is meant to help you. It's just to make you aware of what the expectations are and how to improve that. And you will find I don't know. I'd love to hear what you think about this. Like, have you had employees in your past or whatever, like, because you didn't have this solution where had you known they were going through a divorce, had you known they were ill or had a sick family member, like maybe performance has slipped or their attitude has slipped for a really good reason.
0: Yeah, we had no oh, idea. Have you
2: had that happen? I mean, I feel like this would solve for that too. Of course.
0: And real. And, and, but that goes back to the manager. So actually our, our, our product that focuses on the manager is called manager like manage er we were very excited oh i love
2: that (laughs) i (laughs) love it um, (laughs) so
0: but it you know that is you know we need to help empower our managers to sort of know how to have those conversations know how to ask that it's, it's very, you know, you're tethered to HR in it. So we're not letting them on their own. They can always kind of go to HR and get additional help or HR will help them through those things. But absolutely, particularly now, I mean, I think if we've learned anything since COVID and everything, you know, mental health issues, people working from home. I mean, there's just a whole opportunity to really help our managers in today, you know, workforce when you're not seeing somebody every day, you don't know what's going on and making sure they're asking the questions. I don't know. I mean, the system helps with that a little bit. I'm not going to tell you it like kind of right now at least sort of pings you and asks you the things but just giving them the tools and documenting and making uh, people uh, you know put it in a system someone actually said to me once oh i get really nervous you know that my managers have to put something in the system i'm like well if they're not doing that then they're either not doing it or they're putting it somewhere that you don't even know what they've written down so that's just as discoverable and as risky you don't have the information to do anything if there's something going on in the aggregate. So let's teach them. Let's be, you know, help them do this. Um, and I do think that people have told me when you're putting something in the system, you're more thoughtful of what you're writing as opposed to in your your notebook oh. because you, there is that element of, gee, this is right. discoverable. I I even think I, I've seen and heard that investigations are better documented, right? We have a lot of investigators. I can have a whole, you know, the, the amount of training that gets done for investigators is not high enough. Um, we just did our, our benchmark study, which I can share. You know, We do every year, and it, I just saw the results. that will come out in June. Um, the amount of training that goes for investigators is low. And so if you are doing your investigation and putting your notes and your findings and, and a report, if you do one, um, in your drawer, you're probably going to be OK until there's some litigation, and then it, the company's screwed, right? Um, If we make them go through this, you have to, you know, you can, as a leader, you can start looking, you can start auditing, not necessarily for the issue, but for quality. Do you have training gaps? Um, Are there people that shouldn't be investigating? It just, all of that is going to, it's going to have a a positive impact for the organization, but it's going to have a positive impact for the employees as well, because they're going to have been going through a compliant investigation.
2: Yeah, that's wonderful.
1: Yeah this is really interesting because for me spending a lot of time in the technology space I sometimes think about well where where's incremental value going to be created from technology right in sort of our people functions because I think sometimes right everybody's got a payroll system they generally all work fine right everybody's got a benefits admin system they generally all work kind of the same they're all fine right for the most part Like finding ways to actually move the needle on uh, employee experience, on outcomes, even on compliance, like it's sometimes it's in these areas, right? Like, you know, thinking, okay, let's think about standardizing process, uh, defining process, getting data rich insights from our employee relations process. There's an area where many organizations could probably tap into to say, where can we drive more value? by a smart application of some new tools and some new processes. And Deb, you're nodding your head. I think, and I'm, I'm guessing your clients are seeing this, right? Who decided, Absolutely. hey, let's do this. And, and maybe the last thing for me then, I guess, Deb, I'll ask you then this way. Maybe share, again, anonymized, right? You don't have to call names. A couple of the outcomes you're finding for organizations who adopt these tools and, and then kind of standardize the process a little bit and, and then get the, get, the, get the data insights that we're talking about. What are some of the things
0: that happen? Well, they can actually report, right? Um, Many companies are coming from nothing or spreadsheets, right? Or we see companies that are sort of forced to jury rig from like a standard case management uh, system. This is not a ticketing system. Like you can't ticket your way through employee relations, right? But you can because of the nuances. So I think the most power is when it's integrated with that, um, I, I love the analogy that I use about, um, I love the analogy I use, but whatever, it's a good analogy. <laughs> but you think about um, employee relations, the employees, to my, from my perspective, are the heart of your organization. So it fits even better there. So employee relations and how you manage it is sort of like a heart surgeon, right? You're doing something pretty bespoke. It's everybody, every case is going to be a little bit different, but you have to have certain skills to do it. So if, companies use sort of a spreadsheet or a ticketing system. That's like going to your general practitioner and saying, hey, can you do my heart surgery for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or 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 let me tell you how I'm doing it and having this sort of conversation with, you know, your general practitioner about how you want to do your heart surgery. Sometimes you need this specialized software. And I know that, you know, a lot of companies will say we want as few pieces of software as possible. In this case, you don't. It's really important that it's handled differently, that it's nuanced. We build into our system those nuances to help you with it because we understand employee relations. We've done it um, in ways that you know, an engineer cannot will probably not be able to do it. And I think that's the value. We're not asking you to give up sort of ticketing and things like that. We're just asking you to look at it differently so you really get a handle. I know my customers are now delivering dashboards to their boards, Um, to their business leaders, they're having conversations, they're identifying training needs. Many of them have identified for their their own selves, staffing requirements. And they've actually been able to get additional staff, because they can now show the work that they're doing and the impact on it, uh, and the ROI on it. So it's, it's, um, it's really wonderful to see. And I mean, Trish, you mentioned before about sort of listening to our customers, I love that, right? I recognize I have not been in the HR world now for several years that we've had the company. So when we talk to our customers, we talk to our community and they tell us about these things, you know, the hair on the back of my arms sort kind of stands up because I'm like, oh my God, oh my god, we can we can help, we can help with this with and we can really leverage technology.
2: Yeah. I, I love that you shared, too, that you can take this information to your other leaders who are not in human resources or your board because they've never done this job. It's one of those parts of HR that really a lot of people in the organization majority do not see. And so, you know, when it comes to hiring, yes, uh, the senior leadership absolutely can understand hiring. When it comes to firing, they can understand that. But it's that in-between area that, you know, th- this is also I, I like the heart. Uh, analogy because it's, when I think of all, some of the big ones in my career, these are such personal matters, personal attacks on people uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. And we're not therapists. We're not trained to, you know, to do this, but yet we do this work. And so understanding that as an HR professional, there were many nights where I would go home and feel just completely exhausted mentally and physically and emotionally If I had a way to kind of uh, consistently handle things with my, both the ones I handled and my team, I think that might've also, which we didn't really talk about, but like alleviated some of that stress that your HR leaders face because we are like islands out there. We're doing this work kind of in the dark corners of the company. (laughs) Um, And so I just want to say thank you, first of all, for creating something that will help truly help HR. We've talked a lot about how it helps everybody else. Maybe my final question to you is just, can you talk just just a second about kind of the impact that this could have on your HR team and and how their mental health and their satisfaction in the organization could be benefiting?
0: Yeah, well, it's going to help them become more strategic. I mean, there's been such an elevation of employee relations in the last 15 years. I did this whole timeline of sort of what happened in my career from. The late 80s till you know 2015, and not a lot happened. And then we had in you know, the Me Too movement, we had Black Lives Matter, we had, co- I mean, it just sort of so much has happened that it really elevated this conversation out of HR and into the C suite and into the board. There's now personal liability that the leaders have to um talk about. Um, COVID really was the time for ER had to step up in ways that. They had no understanding of how to navigate it and are, my, I'm so proud of the work that um, all of our colleagues in the community did um, during that time. So it, it has given them, using this data and having technology has really helped enable them to provide that strategic insight to their leaders in ways that they couldn't there's always going to be a transactional portion of it and sort of that unpredictability, but we're starting to build that data so that they can have those more strategic and forward-looking conversations about how, what they do and what the other leaders in the organization do to affect the employee experience, which is, you know, at the heart of the organization. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And these are some of the, the most sensitive employee experiences that, that are had in an organization. So how you handle them with that dignity, with that respect is absolutely key whether you retain that employee or not that's like so important right absolutely yeah. yeah and and for sure
1: the last thing i'll add is like and i don't want to manage these the same way i manage like putting in a request for like a new laptop keyboard or something like that exactly. right in my ticketing system like it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm, it, it sort of makes a lot of sense to me deb the yes. way you explain it like yeah, there are great systems out there to manage tickets, to manage workflows, manage cases, and, and we're happy to no integrate with them. I and mean, you need yeah. those, honestly. Most most large organizations have to have those for a myriad of reasons. But yeah, they're never. I've seen a lot of those over the years, right? Uh, they're never set up to handle things like this, like the mm-hmm. the sensitive nature of this, this very specific nature of these, and the importance, quite frankly, of them. Because whether or not I get my laptop keyboard on time doesn't really matter in the in, in the grand scheme of things, right? It's not the end of the world, but. These things are very, very important to both people and to the organization. So this was really fun, Deb. Uh, uh, thank you for uh joining us today. Uh, For folks who want to learn more and maybe connect with you and, and HRQD, where would we like them to go?
0: So obviously you can go to HRQD.com. I do want to point out that just recently we launched something called the ERQ, which is the first employee relations maturity model. So all the other functions have maturity models. It was time, Um, and so if you go onto our website, you can actually take a short quiz to see where you are in the maturity model. We'll give you some tips and hints as to, you know, how to move from one step to the other. So whether you use our software or not, it's just a good thing. It talks about technology and resources, all the things to kind of determine where you are on that spectrum. Um so uh, but I'd love to link in with anybody. Obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. Um and if you want more information about the solution or a demo, reach out to me or on a, online you can request a demo. And we'd love to I always just like to get people's take we'll take on a curiosity tour. You know, one of the challenges for that is that. people haven't seen this before, right? They've yeah. seen payroll systems. So just be curious, let us show you what it can do, and then you figure out if it's the right thing for your organization. Yeah. I love, that. I love it.
2: The curiosity tour.
0: I love right. <laughs> cool.
1: right, well, we'll put some links in the show notes for that. Oh, we want to thank Deb Muller from uh, HR Cutie, CEO and founder, for taking some time with us today. Uh, this has been great, and I encourage folks to check this, to check out HR Cutie out, what they're doing, and uh, yeah, improve the way you're handling these most important issues in the organization. That's that's uh, certainly uh, a good thing. So, Trish, uh, good stuff. Uh, I love it. I know you love this
2: topic. This is right in your HR wheelhouse. I do. It's so hard not to want to just like talk to Deb for like the next three hours, because yeah. I think, you know, again, it is it is like a support group, right? You, you sort of have been through. And, and I really believe that most employees don't even know how bad things can get in an organization. And I think that's a testament to good HR, you know, yeah, handling handling such a wide variety of things. So I know. thank we'll you, Deb. we
1: stories for another show, Trish. I know, we, we need, need to do a show. We're <laughs> going way too long for that again. Maybe we'll bring that back this Halloween. So, okay. Uh, thanks to our friends at Paychecks, of course, for all their their help and support uh, many years. And uh, we love them. Uh, thanks to Deb, HR Cutie. Trish, thanks to you. Uh, we'll see, uh, check out everything going on on the network, hrhappyhour.net. The shows are coming fast and furious. Inclusion Crusade play-by-play hr means business all of it on hrhappyhour.net uh, thanks again for listening we will see you next time and bye for now